While the NBA world stops, AFL writers frantically keep us up to date with everything happening in Melbourne. It's Wednesday the 18th of October. I'm your host, Phil Pryor, and this is The Splash. Yeah, welcome into the splash on this Wednesday. As I mentioned off the top, AFL trade period, AFL women's draft. That's what we're going to talk about, elaborate on. Uh, Fox Footy's Ben Waterworth will join us uh, on the line shortly. But I thought, uh, given that the NBA season opener uh, is now in the books uh, for the new season, we, we will drag in for the second straight day Olga Norlich, basketball writer here at Fox Sports, quickly to react to um, what was a shocking uh, incident that happened in the first quarter, followed by a, a thrilling finish to the game. It, you know, it kind of, it was a real emotional roller coaster. Um, Gordon Haywood, as we mentioned, six minutes into the game, uh, goes down, horrible ankle fracture, uh, and it just took, the complete sting and all the excitement out of out of the the you know the building there in Cleveland, the building here, and just you know all over the world. It really was just an emotional kind of up and down game. You know, it opened with that that injury. Gordon Hayward, obviously the Celtics' new recruit, uh, they recruited him over the free agency. So you know, we would other than Kyrie Irving, he was the guy we wanted to see on the yeah. floor tonight. Um, and unfortunately, like you said, five or six minutes in. Went up for an alley-oop, kind of landed awkwardly on himself. His ankle went under him and he dislocated it. It really was a kind of gruesome thing to look at. Mm. Um, if you head to our website, we do have the vision there. I have to warn you, it is pretty horrific to watch. Um, but, you know, it's it's there for you guys to see. And, you know, that kind of put a damper on everything. It, it sucked the air out of kind of anyone who was watching that game. You, you know? saw all the players crowding around, praying. That, um, that, that was probably the... That you kind of have a visceral, visceral reaction to watching the players react like that. Just you knew how bad this was. Very as much soon as so. You saw that. Yeah. yeah, and then you know it was cool seeing guys like LeBron go up and kind of dap Gordon afterwards, shake his hand, and kind of wish him well. Um, but you know what was a really horrific, kind of sad moment turned into something exciting because uh, the Celtics' young guys kind of stepped up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they led a comeback. The Celtics were down maybe 16, 18 points, and guys like Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum, really brought them back. And you know the Celtics had the lead in the fourth quarter for a little bit. Yeah. Um, the Cavaliers, of course, got the win at the end, led by LeBron, near triple double, twenty nine points, sixteen rebounds, nine assists. Uh, Kyrie Irving had a, a shot to potentially send it to overtime, but you know that was off. And him and LeBron had a nice embrace at the end, and then Kyrie <laughs> went and embraced his old Cavs teammates too. So it was a, a nice end to what was, you know, just a, an emotional kind of mm-hmm. ride yeah. that, you know, we all went on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it sounds as though Haywood uh, will be flown back to Boston tonight and from there, um, you know, deal with, with what's happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, for this Boston team, what does it mean now? Can they still, uh, you know, finish uh, where they finished last year in the East? Or, or do you think uh, perhaps it, this is a sign that Cleveland, you know, uh, has a mortgage on the on that sort of top spot in the East again. The Cavs are more than likely going to run away with the East now. I think, you know, Gordon Hayward is a borderline superstar in the league, probably an offensive superstar. And so this is a, a real big blow for them. I still think they're a playoff team in the East. They have a, a good young core. 
Um, you know, Kyrie Irving is still one of the best offensive players in the league. Al Horford is super talented. You have um, you know a really young group and a tough group as well. You know, Marcus Smart is kind of the uh, heart and soul of that team. They still have uh, Marcus Morris to come in too. So I still think they can be competitive. I don't think they can compete for the Eastern Conference title or obviously for the NBA title. I think this kind of ruins their year mm. from from that perspective. It instead can turn into a development year for a lot of their young guys. And yeah. I, I think that's what it should be with Brad Stevens kind of helping this this young group come to come together. Yeah, that's the the silver lining in all of this. Olga, and we'll let you get back to your live blogging and everything else. Quick shout out to the listeners um, who might be tuning in on their commute home this afternoon. Uh, what should they do? Head to the website. Head to the, head to the <laughs> website. Follow us on, on the different social media channels, Fox Sports Basketball. Of course, Fox Sports Australia. On Twitter, we're at, uh, at Fox Basketball, uh, at Fox Sports Oz, of course. So yeah, follow us there. And uh, you know we're recording this in the, around the first quarter of the, the, uh, the uh, Warriors-Rockets game. Uh, and so tune in after. We don't know what the score is going to be. Um, maybe Phil will f- uh, you know, fill you in at the end of... <laughs> Of the pod, who knows? <laughs> well, it doesn't run that long, but... Uh, it does not? Look, head to the website, uh, Fox Basketball. will have all the details uh, of the opening day's play in the NBA uh, video content of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as we mentioned off the top. Olgan, thanks for joining the Splash. Thank you. Yeah, NBA and AFL uh, have certainly hijacked the Fox Sports website all week. Uh, it's fair to say... So it's time to bring in Fox Footy editorial lead Ben Waterworth in from Melbourne to talk the AFL trade period, the AFL women's draft, which as we're recording uh, during the day on Wednesday, uh, it's underway and it's unfolding as we speak. Uh, and Benny, I suppose uh, all, the, all the Melbourne troops down there in the Fox Footy building, they probably uh, stopped what they're doing for a moment as uh, this horrid uh, Gordon Haywood uh, injury occurred early in the uh, the NBA's season opener. Well, it was certainly squeamish, Phil, to say the least. It was it was pretty disgusting, as I'm sure everyone would have seen it. One of the worst sporting injuries I've ever seen as well. So yeah, all our thoughts from the foxfooty.com.au editorial team out to, to Gordon because... Uh, that's that's as bad as it gets injury-wise. I'm trying to. Th- I can't think of a, an AFL comparison off the off the top of my head. Uh, we've just had Odell Beckham sort of as an ankle-breaking comparison. Gerald Yao Yi going back a few years in the rugby league, but uh, as far as AFL is concerned, you know, a couple of clean leg snaps, nothing like that, though, really. Um, probably not like that. But the most famous is Nathan Brown, yeah. former Richmond and Bulldogs player, when he was playing at Richmond against Melbourne, was having a ripping start to the year and snapped his, his leg uh, on a Friday night against uh, against Melbourne and was carried off on a stretcher and famously uh, has been was quite uh, was quite calm, I suppose, as he came off and it was made a bit of fun of because uh, on the footy, on the Channel 9 footy show, because Gary Lyon, when, when he broke his leg, <laughs> carried on yeah. for quite a fair bit. But Nathan Brown's uh, was probably the worst I've ever seen. He, yeah. His leg was pretty diagonal that night. So, yeah. um, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. No, certainly not. Let's get back on uh, on track, Benny. Um, we'll kick off with the with the trade period news. As I said off the top, we'll, we'll discuss the women's draft as well. Um, but, yeah, there are just so many uh, headlines as the second week um, continues second week of trade period continues um, and look we'll, we'll start with uh, with the news that um, 
that dropped yesterday, but the fallout um, continues and the dominoes continue with Jack Watts going over to, to Port Adelaide. Uh, that deal is locked up. What did you make of that deal, first of all? Um, and and now I suppose we're starting to piece together what uh, Port's best 22 uh, looks like next year, and that's a pretty scary sight. Well, AFL commentators with a, a lot better looking CVs than myself called the Jack Watts to Melbourne, uh, Jack Watts to Port Adelaide from Melbourne deal an absolute steal for the power. Mm. So in exchange for Jack Watts, Melbourne got pick 31 back, which was quite. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was quite. I suppose it was quite. Um, much less than what the uh, D's originally asked for. They hinted at an early second round pick. Pick 31's a lot closer to the end of the second round mm. than it is to the first round. So that is quite an interesting outcome, I think, for the Demons. So they probably might have helped Jack out a fair bit in the end. Melbourne fans are not only quite upset that he's actually left the club now, but the pick they got in return is something that they're not quite satisfied with. So Port, I think, are clear best-on-ground winners so far in this trade period. Not only is Jack Watts at the club now, but they've also managed to pick up Steve Motlop and Tom Rockcliffe. Mm. And in exchange uh, for those two, they got um, they didn't have to give anything up because yeah, they were free agents. Both so free agents. Jason, Jason Cripps has done a magnificent job, the Port, the Port Adelaide recruiting chiefs, there to, to land all those three players who no doubt slot into the club's best 22. They could almost take up the whole entire half-forward line with Jack Watts in a half-forward and Steve Motlop and, uh, and Tom Rockliffe on, on the half-forward flanks rotating through the midfield. That's the, that's the beauty of all these three players. It's while they are quite maligned and sometimes maybe unpredictable, they all have immense talent and all are quite versatile. Yeah, they're all flexible. They all can play in different ends of the ground. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That oh, They've done a fabulous job. Um, but that is sort of the next thing we, we need to, to discuss, uh, compensation picks. So, I don't know. It, it It's probably, it's obviously a little bit subjective, but um, Tom Rockliffe and Stephen Motlop, you know, where, where do you sort of compare, contrast... Uh, their talents, um, because in the end, both Brisbane and Geelong received pick 19 as compensation for these deals, um, and the the Motlop one particularly has has uh, a lot of people up in arms. I know Brisbane are quite concerned about the compensation for free agency, and they're not the only club in the AFL that have raised some eyebrows, particularly in the last week with the compensation for Motlop. That, that was the one that I think has really got people up in arms. That came through on Saturday that, that the Cats would receive that. And I reckon the Cats would have welcomed that with, oh, with open arms. Big time. Uh, to say the least. And but, a, the, a bit of the backstory we probably should, you know, mention to the listeners, um, you know, is this collusion conspiracy theory that, you know, the AFL-owned Gold Coast Suns... Um, you know, who are trying to, with Gary Ablett trying to land at Geelong, um, you know, this pick potentially helps helps that deal happening um, with the Suns getting, you know, decent draft capital in return. Well, that's one reporter's opinion, and I'm not in the, I'm not in the business of conspiracy theories, <laughs> but there is no doubt a con- conjecture over compensation. One, what the, the makeup of it and how it comes about, and two, whether it should be in, you know, free agency for most sporting codes across the, the, the world, is free agency. A player can move there with mm. sort of no compensation in return, whereas the AFL, who uh, basically their middle name, uh, Australian Equalisation Football League, is all about trying to make it fair for the competition. And we've seen that uh, come to fruition with premierships to the, to the Western Bulldogs and Richmond 
over the past couple of years. So no mm. doubt that it's working in that sense, but um, the, the free agency model will be looked at. Brisbane will raise concerns with the AFL after, particularly after the Steve Motlop deal. Uh, and uh, what they, I think they'd be pretty happy with what they got for, for Tom Rockliffe in yeah. the end. But to see Steve Motlop go for basically the same pick, I think there would be some questions raised from Reliance, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bryce Gibbs, he's a name that keeps popping up uh, during the AFL trade period. Uh, elaborate on uh, on a piece that uh, Jake Niles just published for online, um, looking at how uh, he could still end up in his preferred uh, home state of South Australia before uh, the end of this week. Well, there had been nothing to elaborate on throughout the first week and a half. Uh, Adelaide said they'd basically given up on the potential of Gibbs coming home with two years left on his contract. Of course, this time last year, Gibbs and Adelaide made it pretty public that he wanted to move home, but that didn't eventuate in the end as the two clubs couldn't come to an agreement on a fair deal. But this time, Jake is reporting for foxfooty.com.au that Carlton has actually initiated the Gibbs talk because Mm. what might happen is if Adelaide and Carlton can come to an agreement over Gibbs, the Blues will get some decent draft picks back and then that opens up a whole heap of options for other trades to happen. So Matt Kennedy from GWS to Carlton, a Gibbs trade would certainly help that eventuate. And then a Charlie Cameron to Brisbane move from an Adelaide perspective, that would certainly open up things as well. So all eyes will be on, I think, what Adelaide and Carlton do now. We also know that Cameron's manager, Colin Young, has met with the Brisbane Lions this morning after hearing that Adelaide and Carlton have been in discussions about Gibbs. So this trade has the potential for a massive domino effect to see a whole heap of other deals done, uh, particularly involving Carlton and uh, also the Brisbane Lions as well. And Darcy Lang, uh, the the Geelong Cats, uh, sort of young, uh, up-and-coming forward midfielder type. What's the the latest there? He's, uh, He's looking to move on. So on that... With the discussions between Gibbs, uh, on Gibbs between Carlton and Adelaide, Darcy Lang, a deal for him to go to Carlton certainly opens up because it's understood that Lang's number one preference is to actually go to Carlton. He's been cornered by three clubs, Gold Coast, North Melbourne and Carlton, but it's understood that Carlton is his number one priority. There was some discussion that he might be part of the Gary Ablett deal that would see Ablett go from uh, the Suns to the Cats and maybe in a pick and a play in return going to the Suns. But it looks like uh, Lane's made up his mind and he wants to go to the Blues and, and that will be uh, have to go back to the drawing board for, for Gold Coast and, and the Cats. So, uh, yeah, this as, as I said before, this Gibbs deal could uh, snowball into to many other deals in the next 24 hours. Yeah, well, fingers crossed it gets done because... It's fun to talk about. <laughs> it is a lot of fun, and there's a, almost a, an unhealthy thirst for trade news at this time of the year, Bill, <laughs> and we'll be all across it on uh, foxsports.com. Exactly. I, I can't see how other sports wouldn't want to be uh, getting involved in this kind of way. Um, and uh, and on the AFL women's front, as we mentioned, uh, the, the, the draft is in the process right now. Uh, talk to me about, at least about the first round. So... Isabel Huntington has gone first overall, the Western Bulldogs selection. Um, and I suppose what's interesting about this one is that she hasn't played any footy since last September because she ruptured her ACL. So yep. she must be a real talent um, for the Bulldogs to, t- to take that kind of a plunge on someone that hasn't played footy in over a year. This time last year, people were talking about Isabel being 
a star of the future for AFLW and, and rightly so as well. She has got immense talent. As you mentioned, missed 12 months of footy. But I suppose like Jay Cleaver, like Ryan Burton, who missed their draft years, uh, clubs have still kept the faith in picking Isabel. Well, the Bulldogs have kept the faith in picking Isabel. And rightly so, she's a very talented on-baller, uh, quite strong. Uh, so she'll be able to win the ball on the on the inside as well. But she's pretty got pretty good pace as well. So she went number one of the Western Bulldogs, who also picked up a lady by the name of Monique Conti at pick four. So Monique is also playing for the Melbourne Boomers in the WNBL this year. I watched her play a couple of weeks ago mm. you know, in a point guard position, and she dominated there. Uh, so she brings a lot of energy to both the basketball court and the footy field. So she'll be one to watch. And Collingwood also picked up Chloe Malloy uh, with pick number three, who's a very, very highly rated player. So those three players were all in contention for pick one and ended up going uh, with three of the top four picks as well. So uh, a good result, I think, for, for those three players who should be talents to watch when the AFLW season kicks off early next year. Yeah, for sure. Can you um, speak to us more just generally about this uh, about this women's draft? Obviously, you know, the Bulldogs have two picks in the in the top four, um, you know, there aren't as many clubs uh, in the women's competition. Um, so how deep is this draft? Um, and how quickly can some of these players make an impact, do you feel? There's a lot of cross-coders in, uh, in this draft like there was last year. But the big difference between this year's draft and last year's draft was that last year's draft included a lot of mature age uh, mm. female players. Whereas this year, it's basically all young talent yep. com- uh, compared to last year. Uh, obviously, the, the clubs were actually finalising their lists for the inaugural season this time last year. Now that all eight clubs have actually established what the players that they want to keep on for next year, now they're just sort of adding young talent to their list. So it's hard to sort of put a finger on how deep this, this draft is. Like it's certainly nowhere near as deep as last year, just yeah. simply because of the age factor and the, and the club starting off. But for mine, I think that the top end, that first round, is, is uh, deleted with talent. So uh, hopefully we get to see them pretty early on when the season kicks off in 2018. Yeah, right. And Monique Conti, who you spoke about, um, uh, off to the Western Bulldogs, how, how will she juggle these uh, WNBL um, and AFLW uh, ventures? Well, this is the beauty of the WNBL this year, is that it's a much shorter, compact season. All the games will be played across basically a 12-week period. So the home and away season is done and dusted by the end of December. And then the playoffs occur in the start of January. The AFLW season... Uh, last year kicked off in early February, but might might kick off as early as uh, Australia Day this year, mm. sort of in late, that late January. So that's the that's the benefit for Monique is that uh, she will balance it. Like she's she's pretty fit. She's just a student at the moment, so she's studying at Deakin University. So she'll be able to to balance the two. I think quite easily. Oh. Uh, it's not a full time. Both neither WNBL or AFLW are full time roles for Monique. So from a physical perspective and being able to dedicate the right amount of time to both sports, she should be able to balance that pretty well. And because there's no crossover between the two seasons, she'll be in business. Yeah, okay. So no uh, no sort of Elise Perry situation where she's going to she's gonna get pressure to, you know, choose one at some point or something like that? Not at this stage, no. Uh, not at this stage. And, but I think the difference between Elise and Monique is that she's pretty equally talented at both sports. I think Elise was pretty sound at uh, cricket rather than football. Uh, but Elise is, uh, is is certainly a jet when it comes to both AFL and uh, and basketball.
Yeah, nice. Uh, Benny, we have mentioned plenty of the stories that are up on the on the Fox Sports website um, in the AFL section, but can you give our listeners a, a quick... Uh, a, yeah, a quick rundown as to what they should go and look for um, heading to the foxsports.com.au website. Well, you'll, I think foxsports.com will be the best place to be for the next 24 hours as we count down to the trade period deadline. We'll have a live mm. blog going. We expect upwards of 20 deals to be struck tomorrow. So we'll keep oh. you across all the deals to, uh, to, to keep across on that, uh, on that Thursday. Also one to watch out for, Tommy Morris has put up a story, Lockie Weller from uh, Fremantle, who's desperate to go home to the Gold Coast Suns. He's under contract but wants to go to the Suns. Uh, has spoken out for the first time about that potential deal. And uh, quite ex- not explosive, but uh, pretty blatant sort of trade advice to Fremantle saying that they should uh, accept the deal that the Suns have put on the table that would see him go back to the Gold Coast. So that's one to watch out for. And uh, Sarah and Anna will have some really good fallout to the AFLW coverage. They'll have a report card and, and uh, some burning questions to come out of uh, today's draft. So keep an eye out for foxfooty.com.au. Mm, just on the Weller one, though, Benny, I, I wouldn't blame Frio for wanting to sort of dig their heels in here because if we get to this point next year and he becomes a you know a free agent um, and heads to the Gold Coast, then Frio can expect a pretty good compensation pick, right? Um <laughs> uh, not 100% because uh, Weller he won't be eligible for free agency because he's only a young player, only 21 years old. You need okay. to be uh, on, the, on the list for a good sort of six to eight years uh, beforehand. So uh, he would have to be, uh, for if he did go, uh, he would have to be traded. The Dockers certainly won't be delisting him and the, and the Suns won't be able to pick him up for free. So uh, the, the, no matter what, the Suns will... Uh, have to trade to, to bring in Lockie Weller. It's just the issue this year because he has got one year left on his deal yep. uh, of, the, of the finances to, to try and sort that out between the two clubs. But uh, Weller, it sounds like he's pretty desperate to go this year. He's not prepared mm. to wait out the year. But he is. Uh, if, he, if he doesn't go this year, you can guarantee that he'll be asking for a trade this time next year. Okay, nice to know. Um, and obviously, yeah, keep, keep in touch via the foxsports.com.au website. Ben Waterworth, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil. And I've gone overtime on the splash today, so that's all we have time for. As I said, head to the website um, for all the latest AFL and NBA and everything else news because there's never a dull moment in sport. That's why we love it. That's why we're addicted to it. Uh, And until next time on the splash, that's a wrap. (laughs) 